Hi, I'm Dr. Patty Ferris. I'm a board-certified dermatologist, and I am your host for this episode of Skincare Confidential. So we are so excited to have Dr. Serenia Wiles with us tonight. She's an assistant professor of dermatology, assistant professor of pharmacology, and an assistant professor of regenerative medicine at Mayo Clinic. That is so impressive. Dr. Wiles has over 10 years of clinical and translational research experience in regenerative medicine, which was rooted in her research fellowship at Harvard Stem Cell Institute and King's College London. As a dermatologist and researcher at Mayo Clinic, her laboratory studies cellular senescence, which is a new biomarker for skin aging. Dr. Wiles launched the first IRB-approved clinical trial at Mayo Clinic Center for Aesthetic Medicine and Surgery, which was funded by startup Rion, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Dr. Wiles holds two patents in the U.S. um, on materials and methods to reduce scar formation. She's received over $1.5 million in funding for her research and educational efforts related to regenerative medicine. Wow. Welcome. We are so excited to hear from you. Thank you, Dr. Ferris. It's great to be here today. So we would love to start with just you talking about you. You, I know, are an MD, PhD, so I'd love to hear about your journey into dermatology, how you got interested in regenerative medicine. That's such an interesting combination and so unusual. So tell us about yourself and your studies and how you came to be where you are. Yeah, I think I owe it a lot to my father, who's a pathologist. So at a very young age, um, I grew up around the dinner table with the Latin terms for uh, for inflammation, dolor, color, rubor, tumor, and we would kind of have a game of this. Um, so oh, he always that. had me fascinated with the idea of how... Um, our bodies can heal and how wounds can heal. So it was like magic to me. And and when I um, learned about the field of regenerative medicine, where you have concepts like stem cells um, that can go and repair tissues, it really felt like these worlds coming together of disease and repair. Um, And when I was studying in high school, I've always gravitated towards science for that reason. Um, I connected with a mentor who was a cardiac stem cell biologist. It was very fortunate timing. And we would study how the heart regenerates. Um, The heart regenerates 1% per year. So by the time you're 50 years old, half of your heart has regenerated. So this was all very cool science to me. I went to the Harvard Stem Cell Institute to study that concept and really became MD-PhD so that I could become a clinician and an investigator um, with research studies in lab. So I, I was very fortunate to find dermatology. It's a nice mix of pathology. The skin is the largest organ that regenerates. Um, I know it's your, yours and I favorite organ. So um, regenerative medicine really fits nicely. Um, the largest organ that's also the largest regenerative organ. So I thought that um, regenerative medicine fit really well. I think it's really conducive to topical applications as well with regenerative medicine. So um, and that's really where uh, my journey kind of led between starting in regenerative medicine, starting at this idea of um, how the body heals and then kind of coming towards dermatology. That's so fascinating. Explain regenerative medicine for our listeners. Regenerative medicine is a new field. It's essentially this idea of restoring form and function. So our bodies can naturally heal. If we were to get a cut, we know that platelets come to that 
a site of injury. We know our body's blood sources has different potentials to heal. And before you know it, that tissue can heal. But during our lifetime, there's only one time where our bodies can truly create scarless healing. And that is when we're in the womb. So it's in utero, during pregnancy, um, between first and second trimester, if there's any sort of injury, you can achieve scarless healing. But after that time, it's really hard to achieve that. And regenerative medicine is a field that strives to heal, to repair, to create tissue function that's kind of been lost to injury. So that's sort of how I think about it. And, and the tools to, to achieve regenerative medicine very extensively. So we're, we're getting new tools all the time. It starts with cell therapies like stem cells. Um, we've now shifted to acellular therapies. And I know we'll talk a bit about exosomes today, but certainly there are other gene editing, genetic engineering approaches too, like CAR T therapy, CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing. So those all, I believe, also fall within that regenerative biotherapeutic spectrum. Oh, that's so fascinating. Um, maybe before we get into the exosomes, how about a little bit um, about your research in cellular senescence? Yeah, so I study um, the concept of skin aging through the different hallmarks of aging. So we know through science that, that we have chronological aging that matches just years or time that has passed, but there's also biological or molecular aging. So that's how our cells age and how the internal clock may be discrepant. So you may be a 40-year-old young person on the outside, but your cells may be a 32-year-old or they may be a 52-year-old. So how do you match that chronological age and the biological age? Um, and really, especially when it comes to skin health, what does that mean from a biological standpoint? So there are nine different hallmarks of aging everything from cellular senescence, which I'll talk to you about a bit, um, but there's also telomere attrition. So we know that our telomeres shorten as we age and that contributes to um, aging changes. And there's also mitochondrial changes, there's epigenetic changes. So all these different ways that our bodies basically slows down or changes. It's, it's kind of an engineering experiment, if you will, because if, imagine if we we could control aging, if we knew that aging was actually a um, had different control knobs, there was these nine factors and we could actually speed up or slow down these different factors. And that would allow you to speed up or slow down aging. Uh, and believe it or not, we can actually do that. So there are different mouse models that we use in our lab that we can turn on certain genes or turn off certain genes that clear senescent cells. Um, these are zombie cells that accumulate with aging. And when we turn them off, essentially the mice are able to live longer, but also live better. So we see less signs of frailty. We see less loss of muscle mass, um, less signs of osteoporosis or bone loss. So there's all of these different things that we can try to engineer to kind of manipulate or shift how we're aging. So you're manipulating um, so we're studying in lab and lifespan and using, as um, well as health span. That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk a little bit about exosomes. Now, a lot of people in the skincare industry are saying that, you know, exos are the next big thing. And I think you're the perfect person to give us an overview. What are exosomes? Where do they come from? And how might they play a role in skin rejuvenation? So exosomes are simply put messages or letters 
communication signals that cells send to each other. So you could think of them as FedEx or UPS packages or little gift boxes that are sent. And it really matters, the source matters because who the gift comes from, where the letter is sent from, will change the message. And the message, just like you may have a bad package during Christmas, um, it, it can get damaged. So it's also very important to think about how these exosomes are relayed. So the way I think about it is you can have good messages where they come from platelets or other sources of um, positive regenerative signals. You can have inflammatory or metastasis me messages too. So even cancer cells can share exosomes. So it, it's an umbrella term. And I think that when we hear the word exosomes, the next question should be, what's the source? Where is it coming from? How is it processed? So those are all ways to clarify how it can be used. So what are the common sources? I know platelet-derived exosomes, um, but what other places are exosomes coming from or what other cell types, I should say? Great question. So we can have exosomes from stem cells. So everything from adipose-derived stem cells or stem cells from the fat, um, bone marrow, mesenchymal stem cells, so from the bone marrow, umbilical cord blood stem cells. Um, you can also have it from the placental tissues. So there's a lot of different sources and tissues that can exhibit exosomes, but those are the most common sources, whether it's a blood-based exosome like platelets or a stem cell-based, a cell-based exosome. So interesting. So Tell me about how you got involved with Rion. And if I'm remembering right, is there not a cardiologist who's also involved in this story? It's such an interesting... That's exactly right, Dr. Ferris. So essentially, the company, Rion, um, the story is, is that it actually comes from a Greek... Uh, from from Greece. And it's one of our cardiologists that founded the company. Um, he's from Rion and the city in Greece. And um, it's essentially a, a, a place that's remote. And the idea was to be able to create um, accessible regenerative therapies that even folks in Rion could have access to off-the-shelf stable regenerative products. And the story is, um, I thought I was going to be a cardiologist. So when I came to Mayo Clinic, I joined the lab of Dr. Andre Terzik and Dr. Otto Bafar. We did a lot of work related to stem cells and mesenchymal stem cells and really were focusing on the regenerative potential there. And what we realized in the work was it's actually what they were secreting and um, the sources coming, especially from platelets, the factors called exosomes, uh, had a more powerful messages than the cells themselves. So this is where we sort of shifted gears. And um, as cardiologists, they, we have several IND studies for heart failure and other IND studies that are ongoing with the medical grade Rion product. Um, certainly as a dermatologist, I was interested in developing topical applications. So that's really where the shift came in to, to derive some topical uses. Um, we're looking into some IND studies as well for atopic dermatitis or eczema. But um, that's really the story that goes between the cardiologist and the dermatologist working on exosomes. That's so interesting. So tell us about the platelet-derived exosomes. I know they have what they call the purified exosome product or PEP. And this is what is the basis of the line, which is called plated, which is a great name, of course, because the exos come from platelets. So tell us about how they're 
how do you harvest them? How are they stabilized? And are they stable? Because that's a question we get asked a lot. Is our exosomes actually stable? And do they stay long enough in the topical skincare product to deliver all the goodies? And have you guys really looked at what's in the exosomes? Yeah, so the, that's a lot exosomes, of questions. Great question. So <laughs> Sorry. Kind of break them down. Um, I like it. Um, so starting at the top, so the question about um, where do they come from? So platelets are from FDA compliant sites. They're pooled platelets. So these are from near expiration platelets, meaning they were, they've been donated. They've kind of met all the requirements for FDA regulation from a, um, a site that is allowed to accept donated products. Um, but because they are not going to be used for patient use, they are then shipped to the company Rion, which is located here in Rochester, Minnesota for processing. There is a clinical grade GMP manufacturing facility here. So um, as I mentioned before, there's an FDA compliant um, IND grade type of product that is more for medical uses. So the products are used for both lines and um, the platelet based product is essentially isolated and purified to allow us to obtain the exosome. So this is a patented method. So there are several ways, actually over nine different ways to isolate exosomes. So you can high-speed centrifuge them or spin them down very quickly, which is called ultra-centrifugation. You can tangential flow filtration. So they're kind of put through a filter, like a sieve, if you will, and they're sorted based on size. Um, and you can also separate them based on gradient. So there's different different ways that you can sort or isolate these exosomes. Um, so the process, the patented process here uses a slow um, filtration system. So that kind of protects it. So the question coming back to how are they stable? How are they able to be off the shelf? Well, their exoskeleton is intact. So when you have the exoskeleton intact, it's like the letter, the UPS, the parcel or the package is still intact. That means the letter that's contained within it is also preserved and is protected. Um, sometimes when you have certain types of purification, whether like high speed centrifugation where it's high G forces, you can kind of think of those astronauts going in those high speed uh, gravitational forces. So. It, it can disrupt the barrier. And when the barrier or the package of the exosome is disrupted or broken, then it also renders the message inside inert, which means it's not able to be functional or shelf stable. So the patented purification process allows, the pre- allows these exosomes to be shelf stable. And we've demonstrated to your last question about um, how do you know it's able to get through the skin and, and have its activity there? We've demonstrated through our clinical study that twice daily topical application allows the product to be absorbed into the skin um, and allows the product to create new collagen and elastin, as we've seen in our histologies. So fascinating. So this is a personal question. I've asked a lot of people, do exosomes travel in intercellularly or do they go intracellularly? In other words, are they taken up by epidermal keratinocytes? Or are they percolating through the stratum corneum? And that's a silly question, but it it's buggered me for a long time. How are we yep. getting these, you know, getting, you have to be reaching the dermis with some of the signaling molecules or we wouldn't be turning collagen and elastin on. 
Exactly. So what we did was electron microscopy um, to look at the dermal collagen. And I'd be happy to share some of this data with you um, where you can see the collagen fibrils and these um, extracellular vesicles kind of attached to the collagen bundles. These are in the papillary dermis. So to listeners, wow. that's two layers down in the um, in the dermis so that we are able to deliver it to that location where collagen is being produced and fibroblasts are living. Um, so certainly the question to how are they communicated, if it's an exosome that's already innate within the body, then it's intercellular communication. Uh, but if it's an exosome that's topically delivered, it's an exogenous product, then it's intracellular. Uh -huh. So this is where we kind of have two different ways, whether it's innate exosomes or exogenous exosomes. That's so interesting. Oh, I love that. It's so fascinating. So tell us what is being delivered by a platelet-derived exosome that will rejuvenate the skin, because we're going to talk about the study in a minute, but what, what, what might we be delivering that would make the skin look better? Yeah, great question. And I think it really comes down to the mechanism of action of platelets. So platelets are naturally regenerative products. We know this through PRP, platelet-rich plasma right. or platelet-rich fibrin. However, these products have such mixed and variable results between patients. You know, we've used PRP for hair growth, PRP for skin rejuvenation. Every patient has a different result. It's really hard to predict outcomes too. But we know that the PRP, when it um, targets the right patient, it can do amazing things. Um, and I think that's because we are missing the boat with PRP with obtaining the right signals. There's only a certain number of active exosomes that are delivering the regenerative signals within the PRP product itself. So by isolating the actual active signals, by just getting to the exosome product, because those are the messages that are creating regenerative signals. Um, what are those messages? It's actually thousands of particles. So there's peptides, growth factors, um, different signaling. So we, when we've done proteomic analysis, it's actually a whole group of um, signaling factors that are pro-regeneration and, um, and pro-vascular remodeling. So when we kind of see things like blood vessel changes and, and, and redness improvement, um, it's really the factors that are within it that's kind of creating these signals for that. Um, so that's, that's essentially the platelet exosomes. So interesting. So tell us about the study, um, the clinical study that was done on the platelet derived exosome topical product? So the study was done with topical human platelet extracts. So that's the active ingredient for the over-the-counter um, product. It is a cosmetic ingredient. So this is not the medical grade exosome product. Um, so the product itself um, is the plated gold or plated intense, which is the commercial name for it. It was applied topically twice daily, once the morning, once the evening. Uh, we had patients between the age of 40 to 80 that participated in the study. Um, average age was about 54 years old, more women than men in the study, although we had eight men who participated. And in the study, we found that the patients um, at early as six weeks had significant improvement in redness. So we went in a little bit blind, not really knowing where these nanotechnology would have its effect. Would it be redness? Would it, is it going to be pigmentation, wrinkling? And what we found was it affected everybody a little bit differently. Most significant 
factor that improved was in redness. But if a patient had more photo damage and more pigmentation or lentigines, then that improved in those patients. So it really was a patient-specific response. Uh, we also noted that the product created a glow for patients. So with twice daily application, they had more luminous skin. Um, and, and, and then it achieved a maintenance phase. So once you achieve these results, you kind of hit a plateau, plateau. at four to six weeks, if you will. And then um, we followed them to six months and they maintain it at, up to that point. Very interesting and a really fascinating clinical study. I, I presented the data a couple times on the podium, and I would love to see your electron microscopy. That would be such a great addition if if you could share that. Are there any, you know, we talk a lot about stem cells, and I know there's a lot of safety concerns about stem cells. What about exosomes? Does, does that sort of get rid of that concern? I mean, a lot of these are human-derived products. So maybe speak to the safety issues. Yes. So right now there are no FDA approved exosome products. So true exosome products, especially in, under the ones that we're studying for medical indications are under IND studies. And um, in terms of safety, we do a thorough clinical toxicology, pharmacology study, um, everything that the FDA would require is all under the IND investigational package. Um, now, that is to say the cosmetic ingredients are regulated a little differently. So we just need to, there is a distinguishing factor of the cosmetic factor versus the medical grade factor. Um, but overall, when it comes to exosome products, it is important to keep in mind the sources are coming from human cells, human blood-based products. Um, and that's that's true for all regenerative medicine, right? It's the blessing. It's a double-edged sword, if it's, you will. Yes. Um, we know that regenerative medicine has to utilize um, innate, innate sources like blood and tissues because we know that our bodies have this capacity to regenerate. So we're trying to hack into our natural ability to repair and regenerate while at the same time meeting the standard of well, it's coming from the body to the body, from the patient to the patient. How do we how do we ensure safety in that regard? And it's very important, um, especially for blood-based products. So we do all the right screenings and make sure that um, it checks the boxes so that we have good products. Yeah, that's something a lot of people ask. Um, let's just talk for a minute about the future. I mean, you know, are we going to be able to tailor the message that's delivered, so to speak, at some point, or can Exos be loaded with something that we might want to deliver? Um, could they be some sort of a delivery system for medications or drugs? I mean, it, to me, it just seems like the sky's the limit with these nano-sized particles. That Absolutely. Can, can be You're, you hit the nail on the head. I think these are going to just revolutionize how a medical care and medical delivery is done, um, especially in dermatology. We have such incredible need for topical interventions that affect patients' skin and all different skin types. So, you know, kind of thinking about safety profiles, these exosomes can carry messages, can deliver chemotherapies and, um, and really targeted therapies to sites of cancer. So you can have um, targeted delivery without off-target effects. So there's that potential. 
we're also learning from an aging standpoint and skin longevity, you know, where we're able to biohack or better understand how our skin is aging and why. So imagine if we could sort of deliver time delivery um, through these exosomes, different senolytics or different um, agents that can that can reverse or stop aging. I think that's going to be huge. We can also reprogram cells. I think there was a study recently that talked about taking a 50-year-old's skin fibroblast and reprogramming it into a 20-year-old skin fibroblast. So um, I, the science is, is very exciting and cutting edge. So I think having the right delivery system will be key to better understand and, and take these products to patients. Well, that's a great way to end this segment. I cannot thank you enough for being here. I know everyone's going to be totally interested in hearing this. This is such a cutting edge approach. And congratulations on all your success and incredible research. And I look forward to meeting you for real somewhere along the road, maybe at one of the meetings, upcoming meetings uh, in the spring. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dr. Ferris. It was a pleasure to be here today.